Welcome to Fiction Authors Talk Books or Fat Books Podcast. This episode, I'm talking with the engaging Sedona Ash about a bunch of this and that. I named this podcast Fiction Authors Talk Books because I wanted it to incorporate all aspects of being a fiction author in the discussions. Being an author is a stressful job with high expectations from both ourselves and our fans, so this will always be a chill conversation that probably goes off topic most times, but we'll still have some fun. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to see your favorite author on here, send them this link and they can get in touch with us at fatbookspodcast at gmail. We take all authors who write fiction and have been published as long as they're polite. Thanks for joining us and on to the podcast. Hello. Hi. We're going to talk about confrontation. I would honestly rather deal with zombies and killing things or whatever than just a shouting match. I don't do well with confrontation. So just so you know, don't ever take me in back up. If I have been there with you, you would have been like, this is not helpful. I'd have just went down like a fainting goat, stiff limbs and everything. Like, oh, this is not good. And you would have been like, for real? Like, just just so we're clear, if there was a zombie apocalypse, just use me like a fainting goat. I'm like the sacrificial offering. She'll go down and we can all run. Oh, yeah, I, if you uh. were bleeding or needed medical attention, like, I'm totally fine with that. Like, I have done tourniquets. I have, you know, basic medical training. Like, I, I'm fine with that. All of that. Like, totally fine. As long as it's not, like, puke or puke. If you're puking, I, I used to, I've given a lot of drunk friends rides home or gone and gotten them, but they know the drill oh, that, no. like, if you're puking, you're on your own. I'm a sympathetic puker. I will be right there next to them. So don't, don't, don't ask me for help. Oh, I can't. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> but if you're bleeding all over the place, I'm fine. Like it's, it's, you know, but I just, I don't do well with confrontation. I, I grew up in a very volatile house. Everybody just thought screaming at each other was the best way for everything. I don't do well with it. And I just, yeah, I completely shut. Well, I, I do well at de-escalating. I, yeah, I've been there. I'm usually the one I I've had friends tell me when they're like, even on Facebook, if they're having a little, you know, spat with someone, they'll message me and say, don't comment yet. And I'm like, what do you mean? I had, you know, this really, you know, logical thing, you know, to explain so that, you know, and they're like, yeah, we know. But every time you post, you kill the thread and we're still having fun. And I'm like, what? And they're like, because you always make it logical. And then people are like, oh, you're right. We shouldn't be fighting. And I'm like, well, great. Thanks. I'm glad I'm not invited to play. Yeah. Thanks for saying I'm the buzzkill, basically. Basically, for my logic. Basically, yes. It's like, let's ask mom. Let's ask mom to come in here. No. So, no, I totally get the not wanting to do confrontation. Did you ever watch the Nemo movie? Yeah. And and so when Darla is tapping the tank and the little starfish goes, find a happy place, find a happy place. That became the running joke in my family. So if ever there was a disagreement, even a fairly playful one where it was just like a debate that was getting a little on the heated side, Mm -hmm. they would always look at me and I apparently have an expression I make. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like a deer in the headlights or something whenever there's like something going down around me and they're like, "Uh oh, she's trying to find her happy place. I wish my par- my family was that aware of my uncomfortableness or gave a shit enough to like understand that that's how it was for me. They didn't. Uh, I was the one normally getting yelled at for something somebody else like totally the fam. I'm totally the family scapegoat. The more I've ever researched about that for characters and family dynamics and everything. It's so funny how much of me realizing how fucked up my family was was for character development and research and psychology stuff. 
it and it's like the list of things you should never say to a child or the reasons that you have this as, a, as an adult is and I'm reading all this stuff and I'm like oh I didn't grow up normal this isn't this wasn't healthy this isn't okay isn't that the weirdest thing though like I said I have been there's been several times I've just sat there and I'm very confused and I'll call someone and I'm like no no th this is normal right and then they're they're just very quiet like, no, that wasn't normal. I'm like, oh, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, there's somebody that I've seen on, um, I, th I think he's a TikTok, but I've seen on a YouTube shorts. And he's like, for those of us who've had traumatic childhoods or bad things in our childhoods, where you say something, that moment where you say something from like you're joking around about, you know, your childhood and you say something and the room goes quiet and somebody just goes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had that happen in college and I didn't understand still like what the sorry was for. Like, I thought maybe it was just like my story wasn't as funny or I didn't but I didn't understand until later that like what I said was bad I very much thought it was a funny moment for my childhood and some that it was something that shouldn't happen to a child and I was like oopsie like yeah and then you go back and you're like well that was awkward for everybody but you had no idea yeah I didn't understand that that's what was going on I thought it was just kind of like a, I, I thought I misread the situation and said like the wrong kind of story like it wasn't oh along the same thing so I thought it was just kind of like I'm sorry you didn't get what we were talking about not I'm sorry you went through something horrible as a child that isn't actually funny have you ever doubled down I'm sure I have I did that once I can't even remember now what it was on but I doubled down and it's like because ADHD oversharing all that good stuff and so that is an ADHD thing oversharing Oh yeah. It's impulse okay. control. You don't, you lack the impulse control and then you're also trying to relate. So with ADHD, that's why, uh, you know, some people will say, Oh, well, are you trying to one up someone's story? Well, no, you're not. You're actually trying to show them that you relate to them by sharing an, a similar experience. But when they don't react how we think, you know, like a laugh or, you know, thinking it's funny or whatever, our response to that is, you know, oh, well, they must have, I must have not explained it well. So we'll try to re-explain it, only making it far worse. <laughs> See, I just always call it nervous rambling because I have general anxiety, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But lately I've been, I actually was just had a conversation with my friend. I'm like, I don't think I can deny I have ADHD anymore. And I was talking with uh, a different friend from college and he's like, I've been telling you this for years that you have ADHD. And I was like, you're a hypochondriac. You think everything is everybody's everything. And he's like, you're one, you're not wrong. Two, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, at least he admits the fact that he is, he's a hypo, he's, he's, he's kind of a hypochondriac. I just love his response. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, I don't, two, I don't think I'm wrong on this. I think you are. And, but see, my thing was always that I'm not, I goof around about being like, <laughs> but I'm really not. I'm not a very, and I know that's more ADD, but I'm not. I, I get very hyper-focused. And somebody was like, that's one of the big things of ADHD is hyper-fixation, hyper-focus. Oh, yes. I was like, oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, yes. So yeah, I'm I'm not diagnosed, but you can have inattentive or you can have you can also have like hyperactive. So there's there's different types. But actually what people a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't even realize this, I'm actually my husband's diagnosed, I'm diagnosed, I have combined types, I have both, and two of my children are diagnosed as well. And with females, a lot of times it's not diagnosed because we tend to mask our behaviors better. Mm -hmm. We don't always show the like the twitching. I've been reading that, yeah. Yeah. So we don't like a boy, you know, you'll just see the in the body language and the girls, it's the mind. So one of the best comparisons I, I read was the other day, they said that everybody thinks, you know, you say you have ADHD, they go, oh, squirrel. Yeah. And then you just kind of laugh. 
but what they don't understand is it we did notice the squirrel don't get me wrong we totally did but we also noticed what kind of tree the squirrel was running on and at the same time we noticed that your shoe was untied and we wondered why you hadn't tied it and you were probably going to trip over it meanwhile we're completely still listening to most of what you're saying and we've already figured out what we're going to respond when you finish talking yeah and we've also noticed that there's a few clouds in the sky one of them looks you know, like a cartoon character, and we decided what we're going to cook for dinner. All during that amount of time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You just described me on half of my walks with my friend. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All while I have no idea what she just said to me, and I feel like a failure Sometimes as a friend. I do that, too. And I'm like, gotta focus. Make sure you listen. Yeah. But, um, yes. It is a lot of people, like, they, they joke. Oh, this or sometimes I'm so focused on what she's saying, I cannot remember it five seconds later. Like, I'm in that moment listening to her responding, and then on the other side of the apartment complex, I have no idea what the fuck we just talked about. Oh, I don't either. My, my, my least favorite one is sometimes, because obviously you have better days and worse days, right? Yeah. I'm noticing now that I'm seeing it and I'm trying to really pay attention to it. I'm noticing if I can't, if my insomnia is acting up, it's, it gets really bad for oh, me. Yeah. If I actually get my eight hours of sleep, it's much better. And I, I can focus on my like five. I'm trying to keep it to like five big things I'm doing in a day. I'm, I'm much better at it. But the moment I stop sleeping. <laughs> oh yeah. The sleep does it uh, for you. Actually, ironically, your walks. That's like a number one thing is if you can burn off some of that energy, it'll calm your mind so you can focus on your tasks. Yeah. So that's a big tip that they use. Yeah. I walk like five miles a day. Yeah. You're probably burning off a lot of your energy. So here's the funny thing is now that I've been doing more research of it, apparently I was doing a lot of things right, not knowing that I had ADHD because I've always just had anxiety, like the nervous rambling you were talking about right. and that kind of stuff. It's always just been anxiety or it's been, I'm an introvert, which... I'm old enough where being an introvert used to be that you had general social anxiety disorder and they tried to medicate you for that. You know, <laughs> introvert was a bad thing in a medical condition right. they used to have to try and medicate you for. I used to do things when I lived in a house in Georgia. I used to have a, and I started doing again, but I used to have one of those big like post-it note presentation things. And I would write five things on my list every day that were, and I did more than five things. Right. Those were the big ones. Like write so many words do so many steps, mow the lawn, whatever the big ones were for the day. Right. And every time I would get up to get more water, use the bathroom or let Vader out, I would refocus on those five things. Like, okay, I'm tired of writing. What do I want to do on that list instead? And my mom, who I am now in no contact with my parents, my mom was the one who came over and visited and she mocked me. She's like five things in a day. Wow. I don't know how you get oh. anything done. And like, she was just relentless and it was this thing, but apparently that was something I was actually doing right for ADHD. Oh yes. Yeah. See like, and s stuff like that, I've actually was doing very right, but moving to an apartment was such a huge adjustment to me from living in a 3000 square foot house. I was renting with a yard and everything else that I was trying to adjust to being in an apartment and doing different cleaning videos and different types of organizational stuff that it was conflicting with like my default setting. Right. And I've set myself up in such a bad spot that I've been in this apartment for like three years and I'm just a disaster. So now it's like trying to redo everything, not necessarily back to the way it was, but like 
I listened to myself a lot better when I lived in the house because I wasn't so worried about like, oh, if I saw somebody in the hall and every time I take out Vader, I have to, you know, there's going to be people or I share common walls. I'm kind of at the point of I don't care if you hear me sing anymore when I clean. I don't <laughs> care about what you see in the hall. Like, I'm kind of just over a lot of it yeah. and getting back to, yeah, like my five things and like, yeah, I've done laundry. It's I'm not putting laundry on the list. I do a load of day or I, you know, do the dishes when they need to. It's not like I only do five, five things yeah but i just i have that voice in my head that it's childish and like oh you have to list five things oh no i i work with a like a she's a psychologist but she works with women with adhd and on kind of working with those behaviors mm -hmm. because they're not all bad you know everybody's oh adhd but like if you can work with them no i think it's the only reason i'm successful Oh, yeah. It's a lot of these really successful authors I've talked to are all dealing with ADHD as well. So, I mean, I think it's I think like it's, I'm, I'm starting to think it's an occupational necessity. I definitely think it's de playing a part because so she's taught me a lot of these like different little techniques and stuff. And one of the I thought I was wasting my time. So I, I love to write and I will rewrite things mm -hmm. over and over. Like if I write my publishing schedule, I'll write it again two days later. It doesn't mean I'll stick to it, but I feel better after I write it. Or I'll write a list of like mm -hmm. all the things in my head. Like I really want to research this or go down this rabbit hole or do this or do that. And it almost gives me anxiety, like those thoughts in my mind, like a hamster wheel all the time. And so she explained that if I would just brain dump every morning, she goes, every little thought in your head, just brain dump it. And she said, one of the things is that a lot of times in a somebody that's not neurodivergent, they have a fairly large cup in their brain that they can keep pouring information in and have no problems. But a lot of times, if you have ADHD, you have a much smaller cup. And so when it's full, it just starts kind of splashing over. And that's where you start getting more of that chaos because you're trying to juggle all the things in your head and your life. And it's it can be messy. So if you why don't you try brain dumping and just scribble out whatever and she goes physically with your hands, scribble out anything in your mind. And I thought, OK, that probably isn't going to work, but why not? So that's what I do now. Before, mm -hmm. I, when I sit down in the morning, like I'm going to start writing, I'm going to put my, I, I have a list and I have like three things on mine. And then I have a second list under it. That's like the, sometime in the next week, you should probably take care of these tasks. Cause that makes, for me, that makes my mm -hmm. mind feel like, okay, you are going to deal with it. You haven't forgotten it. So it's okay. So I started brain dumping any little thing. If I want to look up you know, what kind of cheese they make in this country. If, like the weirdest stuff. How do you underwater basket weave? Like it's just stupid stuff, to-do lists, mm -hmm. anything I want to think about. I write on this brain dump list and sure enough, it worked. Mm -hmm. And it just let my brain like, okay, she's not ignoring all these other things that my brain wants to do to follow that dopamine fix. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, now I can turn back and focus. So it's, it's been amazing, like some of the tasks, you know, and some of the behaviors that you, you know, we, we already cope with. I was diagnosed as an adult. Yeah. And, and so for you, you know, you're having to relearn what works. And one of my biggest things is I was rigid. Like I have given myself such a hard time because do you know how many planners I have bought? I have never completed a planner in my entire life, but I love planners. Yeah. They seem so cool and so fun. And, you know, I've, even my family would be like, you bought another one, really? You're, you know, you're not, you'll use it for a month and you're not going to use it again. And I felt so mm -hmm. bad about all these tools that, you know, oh, yeah. that'll help me. That'll help me. And then it doesn't, it helps for six weeks and then it doesn't. And she finally said, you have ADHD. 
They are tools in your toolbox. And she said, don't throw it away or like get an undated planner. Don't think that just because this tool only works for a period, you know, oh, sprinting is so much fun with this little game for six weeks and then it's not. But if I leave it alone, I'll come back to it in six months and it's brand new again. And my brain is like, this is fun again. Yeah. And she said, just make a list of what works and then cycle through them as you, you know, like if it's not fun, put it down and move to the next thing. And she said, you know, with ADHD, you can form a routine and there can become a dopamine fix. Yeah, I'm very big on my routines. Like, so that was that was one of the things that made me think I wasn't. I like my routines. I like. Oh, no, that's because you've got the dopamine. Your brain gives you a fix every time you mark something off that five list. Mm -hmm. And then you feel satisfied at the end of the day because you did all five things on your list. So you accomplished your day. You're just being reasonable by putting only five things on the list. That's the main difference. Like you said, you do a ton of other things. Yeah. And if you wrote them all on the piece of paper, you'd probably be horrified by the amount of work. <laughs> that was the mistake I was making. Like somebody was like, see how much you do in a day and get it all written. Like you said, like I was doing that kind of more brain dump and getting it all down. And but it was just overwhelming me. And I, I don't think that part where you were saying about like the cup is smaller. I don't think I have that part of the ADHD. I like having it all there off. My cup is big. It's off to the side. My problem is, is like once I see the whole list, I'm not a procrastinator. I can't have my email on my phone because I don't like that that notification. I will immediately stop everything and have to reply to emails. See, that's like my husband. Yes, he has that. That's his ADHD. So he has a list on the counter. If he marks off his list, then he's like, okay, now what are the next tasks? Yeah. Like he's ready to move to them. And I try to do it all in that day. And that's yes. too overwhelming. And I was like short circuiting out and then doing nothing. So for me, it's just, yeah, keep it to five. I'll do some extras, but like slow down, just stop, like stop going crazy pants. But like, I can't have my email on my phone. The only thing I get is I have my text message notifications, but my phone is always on silent because I can't. I immediately have to stop everything and handle it. So like I very rarely go into my emails anyway, but like, I, yeah, I can't have that. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm the exact opposite. It needs to be handled now. And then all those nails pile up and it's just. Oh yeah. And then you don't get your writing probably. That's me. Is I'll be like, if I just take care of these things, I'll be able to sit down and just completely focus on writing. But the list of things that need to be done seems to never end. Oh yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm trying to limit myself like you do now. I will only attend to these few things. Um, and and I, I, I read an article from a, or a newsletter from a creative guy. And he said, he's looking at it as pins now, like um, pins, like you keep sheep in or cows or whatever, some okay. kind of livestock. And so he allots himself a certain amount of time. So for 15 minutes each day, he will check on that pin. Um, and by doing that, he means he would check his emails. Yeah, that's what I was doing with the, the whole cleaning and like organization of your life and stuff. And I found it too rigid. I didn't. I, that was that was messing me up. There's no fun in it. There is no fun. Well, Jeez. it's not even it's not even no fun. It's just like I felt guilty if I took like an extra two minutes because I wanted to get ahead for tomorrow. Ah. Or like, I get the concept of like, you know, prioritizing and like keeping it to whatever. But then it just became like, 
monotonous in a in a bad way of like fine you do like 10 minutes of emails a day then i started just getting to the point i don't like emails ah me either i'd rather sit down for a half an hour a week and just get them all done instead of 10 minutes a day and then it's like that i get anxiety knowing that 10 minutes of emails is coming up you know what I'm saying? I can see that. Oh, I, I definitely do. That's how that doing the pens thing worked for me. For me, I'd rather just, I'm having an off day writing. I know I'm not going to get writing done because I didn't sleep well or whatever. And you know what? Let's just handle the extra covers. Let's handle the emails. Let's handle like, so like, I like my routines. I'm, I'm fairly not rigid, but I'm, you know, I have my, but I'm, I'm pretty flexible on it. Like if I need to adjust or whatever. So yeah, I get what he's saying about the, and you're saying about that. But the pens thing and like setting aside timers and all that kind of stuff is just no. <laughs> it was giving me anxiety. Oh yeah, it can. And like they like they said, I mean, some people it's just it depends on the brain and it depends on yeah how, what your brain finds is fun. We don't always find it fun, but our brain can be more entertained by it. So for me, hyperfixation tends to make my brain happier. It doesn't make me physically happier because I'm like, really, we didn't need to sit in a chair for 10 hours straight. That was not the healthy decision. Yeah. But sometimes it's just knocking those tasks out. Like I had four blurbs, no, five blurbs I needed to either update or write. And I had four manuscripts I needed to update. I have been putting these tasks off for months now. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to be like, okay, I'm going to just break it down so that it's not this horrible task. And I'm going to do like, you know, one each day. Mm -hmm. Or one every other day. Like I tried to break it down. What ended up working the best was I was having an off week writing. Like you said, like I had just published a book and my brain was kind of in that brain dead mode where you yeah. just need, you know, not anything too challenging. Right. Um, but but to put off the guilt that I wasn't writing, I was doing other business yeah. stuff, essentially. And in one day, I think it only took me like three hours. I knocked out all the blurbs and. Like my brain was like, oh, this is fun. We could just knock one more out. We could just knock one more out. And yep. so I ended up instead of dividing them over weeks. Yep. When you get in that, like you're seeing the progress. Yeah. Yeah. I did really great Sunday. I cracked out my 6,000 words like nothing on Sunday, but then I couldn't sleep Sunday night. And it's become this, uh, my insomnia has gotten really bad this week and it's become this, okay, I didn't sleep Sunday night. No big deal. I'll sleep Monday night. And then I didn't sleep Monday night. And now it's oh, this... No. I'm dreading going to bed because I don't know I'm I know I'm not going to sleep thing and it's just becoming a thing like last night I got a whole five hours and I'm like well it oh, was no. something I even took an edible and knocked my ass out and I felt the edible and I felt knocked out and I still stared at the ceiling like okay that's new that's a new one because oh, normally the edibles I was like goodbye so it's like this thing. Yeah, that's how bad my insomnia can get. Normally it's not bad. It really isn't. It's like a night here or there. It's really rare that it's like a whole week and I haven't like been sleeping. The only way I've, I hope I don't have to do this again because, oh my God, it's so bad for your health. But the only way I've kind of found of breaking that cycle is to stay up an entire night and that whole next day. And then I am so exhausted that yeah. I wild horses and a nuclear war could not keep me from sleeping that night and getting back into my routine. But that's really not healthy. So I don't hope, I mean, you know, drinking and drugging yourself isn't great either, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Sometimes we have to do what we have to do. I don't care that I'm in my thirties and maybe I sound like a weirdo that I'm in bed at nine o'clock disconnected. I have to like, I, cause it could, it could throw me off for two weeks if I, you know, obviously oh, if it's yeah. something, 
if it's something bigger, if it's, you know, a, a good experience, but otherwise I don't need to be out past 10 o'clock. Like I get it. And it's not like I can't stay up. I absolutely can. I can stay up till five in the morning with no problem. It's after that, that throws <laughs> off, you know, most people will recover over a weekend. My body just doesn't do that. It's too fragile, <laughs> which is hysterical because I'm a big woman, but it's, it's too fragile in that way. It's, it's, I, I know I completely understand. Sometimes I get on my deadlines and because my brain, of course, hyper fixates. So instead of being able to write that little bit every day, like I should, sometimes it means you write a book in 10 days, which is exhausting and it throws your you know sleep pattern off. So my last book, I think I slept six hours over five or six days total, not like every night. That would take me three weeks to recover from. I can't do it. Yeah, it did. It, 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 I mean, I'm just now feeling like I'm kind of getting back on my feet again. So it's been two weeks, but yeah, it's, it's miserable. I've learned to snap myself out of the hyperfixating. It's just getting back to it then. My mind gets mad at me or something. And then it's like, I can't refocus on what I was doing just because I took like a 15 minute break. And it's like, oh, settle down. I do that. I, I tell my family, I'm like, because the door will open. And my brain, obviously, if I'm not really in the zone, my brain's like, ooh, distraction. <laughs> oh, what is this going to be? You know, and then like, okay, no, I don't really want to go back to the middle of whatever scene that was in. And mm. I'm a pantser. So... I guess maybe a plancer. Like I have a general idea. I know the beginning. I know the end. I know some of the scenes in the middle. Yeah. And I will even do like a one one line. Like I know roughly 21 chapters and I'll put like one word or one sentence to describe what's going to happen in each chapter. And then I just roll with it from there. But that does yeah. mean that when you're writing, during the writing time, you need an incredible amount of creative power because you're pulling yeah. all that juice right then at that moment. <laughs> Versus like, okay, yeah, I want to put this element in the chapter and this element, you know, and like getting to put together that, you know, the outline that or that better plot. Yeah, it takes a lot of power. But my brain then when I'm in it, it's like, oh, this is fun. Let's just keep doing this. And so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll hit a deadline, but man, I, I pay for it every single time that I, you know, have to put too much to the end, which sometimes life happens and that's what has to happen, but it's rough. Yeah. I just don't do, that's why I just don't do deadlines. I just don't do them. Like it's nothing, the world will not end. Life will not fall apart. Like just slow and steady. I thrive in calm. I wish I did. I live in chaos of my own making usually. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, the, uh, there's enough drama in my books. I can't deal with it in my real life. I like calm. I like settled. I like, you know, I just, yeah. My life has a lot of chaos. I have a lot of hobbies and interests and a lot of things going on. Plus, you know, having kids and a family and we have a zoo. I have 15 acres, so I have a lot of animals. So there's like a lot going on. Now, when I am writing, I like my door shut. I like it to be quiet. I don't want people even in the room twitching around me. So I, I couldn't be a coffee shop writer because it's- Oh, no. Oh God, no. I, I wish I could. Like I watch them on, like I'll see them online and they'll be posting and I'm like, that just, I'm going to say romantic. It's not romantic, but it's like, I'll see the image and I'm like, wow, could you imagine? And then I'm like, I would get nothing done. I'd be watching the cars go by the window. I'd be, you know, slightly annoyed by somebody shaking their foot because for me, one of my, I'm not able to filter out a lot of uh, visual or auditory. I don't like loud. I don't like public spaces. It's too loud. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like my door shut. I need complete silence. Sometimes I can listen to, like, I'll listen to the nature tracks that people listen to to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll listen to those, like, a thunderstorm or underwater or something like that. I have light music. I have a writing list, and it's, like, music that's enjoyable but not, like, I want to sing to. Mostly to keep noises down <laughs> from the hallway so Vader doesn't start barking. But, yeah, I would prefer uh, complete quiet. Yes, yes I, I do the music sometimes. 
my my trouble is I was a concert trained pianist and actually taught music for 10 years, uh, gave private lessons, uh, piano lessons. So when I hear music for so many years, it was work. Mm -hmm. I was always listening, you know, and it's hard to turn that off. Yeah. When you're sitting there and you're writing out lesson plans and you're listening for a student to hit that wrong note, it's hard to ever filter your brain back to just being able to enjoy music without listening to every little part about it. Yeah. So I do have a writing playlist that I can sometimes listen to, but it can't be any song in the way that I know it. Yeah. So like if it's a popular pop song that I happen to know, Mm -hmm. it has to be slow slowed down or put to a different beat or they change the singer from a male to a female, something to where I don't know exactly what's coming. And that seems to be good enough to keep my brain from, you know, getting sidetracked. But yeah, I don't know. The things we have to do as writers to stay focused is is funny. Well, and it's hard because you've got to set in the mood. Like there are days that I'm pissed off and uh, no, but it's, it's like people don't understand that it's like, I've had people treat it like I'm data entry and it's like, you don't understand. Like even that thing this morning, if I was like to then come back in and be working on a sex scene, the main characters would end up getting murdered off. Like you can't just switch gears. Like, you know, people. No, not if you want to be emotional. And and I was trying to explain to my readers recently in a, I did a live stream in my group and about I hop between series. I can't do that. I have to. Not, uh, not until I finished a book. Oh, well, I can sometimes write a scene or two, but I'm not good at alternating projects while writing. I try and I can do it a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, like a scene or two is just like a, a, a palette refresher. Yeah, but I, I know a lot of authors that are like, oh, yeah, I just write whatever I'm writing that day. I'm like, no. But yeah, no, I'm the same with you. I switch between series and everything. Yeah, my hyperfixation is like if we're working on it, we really want to work on it and get it done. Like I want to yep. get that completion. Yep. And I'm also in that character's head. And there's no yep. way to not sound crazy when you say this to people who oh, don't course. understand. But I am living what that character is living. So yep. if like if she's crying, a lot of times I'm sobbing over my keyboard and my husband is laughing his butt off if he walks in and I'm crying and he's like, you do know you're the one that wrote that. And I'm like, OK, on one level, I do understand that. On the other level, sometimes I don't know what's like exactly going to happen. My brain does. Oh, yeah. I'm just I'm rolling with it. I've had scenes that later people have talked about. I had to go back and find them because I didn't even remember writing the scene because it was just in that moment. Like I did have a basic remembering, but I didn't remember like the full detail. Yeah. And I mean, there's no way we can remember everything. Somebody was like, da, 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 da. And I was like, who? And they're like, how do you not remember your character? And I just started laughing. I was like, do you know how many characters I have? I've been doing this like 13 years under three different pen names. I'm like, I probably have no joke, hundreds of thousands of characters that I've named, not like main ones. And what about the ones in your head? And what, like, if you're like me, I'm like, mine's like Walmart right after Christmas. I've got so many people yelling for the man wanting their story told. I love that. I've never heard that analogy before, but I love that I'm stealing that. For real, I'm stealing that. <laughs> okay, go for that it. Is, that is absolutely how it... I don't know about necessarily Walmart <laughs> or after Christmas, but that is absolutely... I yes, let me speak to your manager is absolutely how my characters can be sometimes. After Christmas, everybody wants to return oh, and nobody has receipts yes. or anything. So they're no all receipts. cramming that desk yelling oh and yes. And that's how I feel. It's like I've got all these characters and they're like, me next, me next, you know, and it's and and in my head, my brain, because obviously it's always processing tons of things, is trying to put together these other stories. So yeah, I, I had one my worst, this is my most embarrassing moment probably, is um I was scrolling through my group and 
And I had missed the like the first part of the post. I had just saw the second mm-hmm. half and it was obviously a blurb. And I started reading the blurb and I thought, well, that sounds fascinating. And I, my PA had shared it. And so I scrolled back up because I wanted to get the author's mm-hmm. name and the book name because I thought, well, I'll add it to my to be read list. It was yours. It was my book. I, I didn't get that until the, like, you're getting to the end here. Like it's yours. Yeah, it, it was mine. And it was the book I was supposed to be writing because it was due in four weeks. Oh, oh shit. Okay, that's funny if it's like, not like an older one or something. Like it's something you're working on. That's pretty funny. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah. That was I felt I was like, well, at least I thought my idea was good. Yeah. I've had that too and somebody was like, "How did you not recognize?" Or they like posted like a uh, a snippet in a, a co- of a conversation like a scene basically. And somebody was like, "How did you yeah. not know that was yours?" I was like, "How old is that book?" Like, do you know I probably have like 400 published novels by this time? Like, shut up. Oh, like, man. how do you not know that? Like, are you kidding me? Do you remember what you ate for breakfast 10 years ago? That's how I don't know. <laughs> it's the worst. I had one, my, my other one, I had, I had published it. Like, it was like three books before, basically. And my PA mm-hmm. shared this little thing. And she was always making like these little meme posts. And it said, um, these men were more disappointing than an unsalted pretzel. And I started laughing and I was like, God, that's, I love pretzels. So I was like, that would be super disappointing. I hate it when I get one of those big soft pretzels and they don't have salt on them. Right. And I was like, that mm-hmm. is funny. So I looked down in the corner and again, it was my book. And I did not remember, like after that, I sat there and I was like, oh, wait. And then I remembered the scene. But at first glance, I was like, that's hilarious. And I'm like, that author did great on that line. And <laughs> me and I was like well that would be disappointing to get an unsalted oh my god I'm only at like 17 novels I think so I can't imagine at 400 I'll probably just be a mush on my brain well not all of them are novels I wrote a lot of novellas when I was writing mail mail so I should say for like Uh, okay at least least over 300 something I'm probably into 400 books by now but but there's still characters it's still characters with the personality and stuff so I mean whether the story is short or long oh yeah probably over a hundred novels doing some rough math in my head yeah probably over a hundred novels by now but yeah I'd, I'd say like 400 books total or I could be totally off no I think that's pretty accurate now I'm sitting here like that's trying a, to I can't count. wait till I get to a point where I'm like that <laughs> that would be amazing how long have you been doing this um February 2021 so two. Oh, get out you're just a baby yes hi I'm a baby <laughs> oh wow I didn't know you were a baby yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm a I mean, you're not. Obviously, you're adult with kids and everything, but you're. You oh know. no, I I know. I knew what you meant. No, I I know. I I get that. It's it's been a very. It's been a little hard to find where I fit. To be honest, because when my books came out, yeah, you know, and I'm, oh, honey, I've been doing this 13 years, and I have no fucking clue on that answer. Okay, so good. Then I don't let me so just bad. let me just tell you, it's like being an adult. You'll never know that answer. Okay, good because I we're all writing our stories. I'm you know talking with other authors. You're also new and I love that I still I have I have author friends at all different levels now and I love that Mm -hmm. but I'm never sure where I fit because it's like you know I'll be talking with some of the other authors that publish at the same time as me and I'm like yeah well you know you're not like the rest of us now and I'm like oh okay (laughs) they're like you know we're you know we're still waiting for our break and I'm like oh okay and then but then I don't really feel like I've done my time to earn the place with you know the other big authors and I'm like okay so I'm I'm getting in my own little weird bubble right now yeah well and then no matter how what level you feel like you got to there's always a bigger one so it's just a matter of yeah it's doesn't really matter no it doesn't and that's why like like i said i have friends all across the board 
and it doesn't, you know, I mean, as long as you're an encouraging group of, of authors, I don't think it really matters anyways. And we all have yeah. different goals, you know, not everybody has the same goals as authors. Yeah. No, that's, it totally makes sense. I want to give a big thanks to Sedona Ash for joining me for such a fun conversation. Also to all of our fans for checking this podcast out. I hope you liked what you heard and decide to stick around. Please make sure to subscribe to the Fat Books podcast on YouTube or Spotify or that little purple icon on your Apple device. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook to stay up to date on who we're recording with and when the episodes are coming out. There's also a Patreon if you want to support the podcast and keep it going. Now let's hear a bit about what she's working on and what's next for her fans. So I'm working right now. My next book out will be um, Dinosaurs, Dilemmas, and Albert Einstein. And that's the second book in my Dino Shifter series. And then my Vampire series has its book two releasing next uh, month in June. Okay. I'm also working on co-writes. Uh, we just released The Alien, uh, D D T uh, D T D P, which is down to get probed. Um, <laughs> under the name Gemini. Sorry, say Jim that again. Marston's. It's D, the name, the title of the book is D P G P. And it stands for down to get probed. Okay, then. And <laughs> yeah, we figured that would like not get mess up the um the sensors or whatever. So we'll be releasing book two and that before too long. And it's DTGW, which is down to get wet because these aliens live on a wet world. So that's kind of fun. Oh, girl. Just keeping it light and silly. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, so yep, lots of fun stuff coming up this year. And um. If anybody, any of the readers are listening, I will actually be in Salem at, at a, a book signing there in September. So I'd love if you guys came out and said hi. Oh, you're going to be right by me. <gasps> That's right. Thanks for staying until the end and hope you enjoyed it.